Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this late running edition of Adrift. Yeah, we're a day late, aren't we? We are. It's entirely my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is your fault, yeah. I'd love to say it's because I have been so busy making this Beatles documentary that I've been working on that goes out on BBC Radio 2 this weekend. Good plug, yeah. That I, um, I had to delay the podcast by a day. Mm. But what it was is it was my best friend's birthday yesterday. We had arranged to go out with her in the evening Mm -hmm. for dinner and I forgot to put it in the calendar and then forgot to say to you, oh, can we record the podcast on Monday this week rather than Tuesday? Uh, So here we are on Wednesday. mm. It's a nice dinner. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Mm. Um, And... uh, do you know what, what's difficult? Because obviously people haven't seen each other for a long time. Mm. So when you do see someone, you've got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. And if it's in a restaurant, that thing where they're constantly coming over and you're constantly saying, oh, I'm so sorry, we haven't looked at the menu yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the worst, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like I'm a failure because I'm really holding them up. But really, I'm just too involved in my conversation but yeah how many times can you say that before you just have to leave like well, it, it sure definitely it get, it get, i think we got to an uncomfortable number of times right, yeah. sarah being an american and assertive i think ended up having to say something like we're so sorry we've not seen each other for a while what we'll do is we'll let you know when we're ready to ready to go on food <laughs> right right which I, I i would never have got there mm-hmm and did that work okay? Were yeah, it worked, worked fine. Great, I mean, great. as I say, I think we did three or four times of saying apologising and doing that oh, thing. Saying, oh, "I'm so sorry. Right. We'll look at it. We'll do it now. We'll do it now." Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why do you feel such time pressure in that situation? I just feel bad for them, don't you? Like you're wasting their time. But you're not because you're going to be there all evening. Oh yeah. For something, unless you're having an early dinner. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to turn the table, and somebody else is going to sit down at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. which wasn't the case. Yeah, why You're going to be there. Yeah. What What does it matter? It doesn't make any difference, does it? I think it's the fact they keep having to come over. But they don't. <laughs> but then then it'd be really frustrating if they didn't come over. Mm, yes. Because that's... I feel that, that that's the trade-off. Here's, here's the trade-off in a restaurant. 
at the beginning of a dinner, they come over too much and make you feel uncomfortable because you haven't looked at the menu. Mm. And then at the end, they get their revenge on you. <laughs> by by And you can't either, you can't see them to ask for the bill. Yeah. Or worse than that, you've got the bill on the table and getting them to come back with the card machine is almost impossible. Yeah, that's they've the got, They've works. gone on a break. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's where I was yesterday. Anyway, um, I have a couple of drifty things that have happened to me this week. One was my wife and I went for a walk the other day. Mm-hmm. And as we arrived back in our neighbourhood, we spotted in the distance a friend of ours, somebody we see with some regularity mm-hmm. as part of a couple. Mm-hmm. But it's not like then I'm friends with him, it's just the two guys hang out. Right. Basically, we're friends with the with the wife. Mm. and then the husband is around. So that's the dynamic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We see her on her own quite often. Mm. And then he's like the special guest star who we see from time to time. You're getting the picture. Yeah, Like him, but I would never in a million years go for a, uh, a meal on my own with him. Okay, got it. We see him in the distance. Mm. Do you know what I notice him do? What? Oh. Put his head down like he hasn't noticed us. Yeah, pretend. Oh. Do you know what I feel? Relief or insulted? Yes. No, no. And I don't know if this is growth in me. I don't feel insulted. I just respect him so much. Mm-mm. I think, what a great guy. He knows that we've got this dynamic going. Yeah, yeah. Where we'll, we'll, we'll see him as a couple from time to time. But that's as far as it goes. We've got nothing to say to each other in the street if the wife isn't there. Isn't that brilliant? It's brilliant because I can't help, even though the last thing I want in the world is to speak to someone, I still feel insulted when I see them duck away. I think, think I used to be like that and I don't know if it's great. Also, I can't. I worry so much that somebody will think that I'm ignoring them that I can't do it. Mm. If there is a scintilla of a chance that they've seen me ignore them, I'll get myself wrapped in knots about it. So I will ignore people, mm. but only if I'm absolutely certain that they didn't see me first. Yeah, And I just love this guy. I think he probably knew it could have gone either way. But he knew that it wasn't going to be a good interaction. Yeah. It wasn't what any of us wanted. So he pretended not to see us. Great, great. Just wonderful. <laughs> the other sort of drifty thing that happened to me this week was... Um, I was walking down the main road. Mm-hmm. Approaching me was a neighbour who is the mother of one of the kids in Jean's class at school. Mm-hmm. This, this in some ways, is an inverse of that other situation because I've, I've got nothing to say to her. I doubt she has anything to say to me, but I am worried that she will think I'm ignoring her. There's there's no way of passing without me feeling like I have to acknowledge her. So as we come within distance of each other, I do a big friendly, oh, hi. Mm -hmm. 
she returns the hi quietly, but she's got headphones in, so she doesn't stop. Yep. She carries on walking. Unfortunately, my hi is so loud that there are three teenage girls walking in front of me who then turn around. Obviously, the woman I'd said hi to has passed me and she's like five metres <laughs> in the other direction. Yeah. So it just looks like I've walked up behind three teenage girls creepy. and gone, Hi! Like this creepy middle-aged oh, man no. saying, Hi! Did they look disgusted? They looked horrified. They looked absolutely horrified. So I ducked into a shop. <laughs> Good. Right, let's hear from uh, from the drifters. Okay, first one is from Julia. She's got two stories for us. Oh, yeah. Double bubble. Yes. We're in double trouble tonight. We are. I have a friend, but we've recently grown more distant due to the business of life. A couple of years ago, I bumped into her brother and his new girlfriend and asked the general questions about him and his sister, my friend. He said she had just recently had a baby girl called Rosa. I said I was super happy and so glad she'd moved on from her terrible ex-husband. Her brother was a little quiet and didn't say much. As we said our goodbyes, I quickly texted my friend congratulating her on her baby girl and she sent me the picture. To my horror, the baby looks exactly like my friend's ex-husband. Needless to say, I was apologising profusely to her about my comments to her brother. Second story. My husband and I decided to go to a local food market. We were passing this ice cream cart. I was looking at different choices and couldn't make my mind up and the owner of the ice cream cart was helpful and offered for me to try the flavour I wasn't sure about, to which I said, yes, please. He picked this super tiny plastic spoon and added some ice cream to it and then stretched out his arm at 90 degrees. Please note, <laughs> I, can I, am, see where this I, I am four foot 11. <sighs> so anyone's hand at 90 degrees would reach my head instead of my chest or waist. I hesitated for a moment thinking, shall I take the spoon out of his hand, risking dropping the spoon and the ice cream in the process, the spoon was so little, or licking the spoon directly off his hand? I decided to go for the second choice. As soon as I've done it, it was too late to back off. It was like a slow motion film. His eyes widened and we locked eyes for a second while I slowly pulled away with tiny ice cream sample in my mouth. My husband walked away, doubled over, laughing. The ice cream man looked unimpressed and I asked him if everything was okay, to which he said, you could have taken the spoon out of my hands, not suck the spoon. <laughs> I walked away as quickly as possible. That reminds me of the time, and I've told this story before, I used to get these um, motorbikes from the radio show to the airport sometimes. The first time I ever did it, I, uh, the, the, you know, they give you the, um, the, the gear to wear, the jacket, the helmet. I put it on, um, I put all this on. He then shows me how to climb onto the bike. There are little, I don't know what you would call them, poles? steps the things to climb on like little things um so so and then he gets on once he's on i put my hands around his waist and he comes on the intercom and says that's really nice but if you look there are handles either side of you (laughs) how often do you wake up in the middle of the night and like get sweaty about that i mean that's just horrendous yeah yeah, with with some regularity okay this is from kate and it comes with a slight pg warning oh great Mm. adult content yeah 
Do, do we have to do we, we have to be broad minded to listen to this? Because I very much am. No, it's fine. Really. Okay. <laughs> Hearing your listener stories last week, and especially the one concerning tube travel, reminded me of what is probably the most mortifying journey I've ever taken. Back in 2010, 2011, when I just moved to London, there was quite a major tube strike. Travel was disrupted for weeks and the usual service of trains about every three minutes was reduced to one approximately every 20. As I'm sure anyone who lived in London at the time remembers, travel was absolute chaos. At the time, I lived in Leytonstone and needed to get to my university building at Waterloo. So on a regular basis, had to negotiate the mad crush of bodies, the pushing and shoving onto tube carriages and the rudeness of people when stuffed together in sweaty small places. One particular morning, I was squeezed. I squeezed my way onto the tube as usual and ended up standing almost completely up against a tall man. We were so squashed together that my face was pretty much resting on his shirt. To be clear, I have hugged people and been further away from them than I was from this man. I find invasion of personal space uncomfortable at the best of times, and this was no exception. But I had to get to my lectures, so had to tolerate it. So with my face resting gently on this man's chest, the train pulled away from the station. As sometimes happens on the London tube, when we pulled out of the station, someone was leaning up against the doors, which causes the train to stall and jerk violently forwards. As I was already slightly off balance, I fell forwards, completely putting all of my weight onto this poor chap who had already endured quite enough physical contact from me. At the same time, I raised my hands to grab something in order to stop myself falling any further. And grab something I did. Oh, God. Oh, God. I felt an instant chill of mortification run down my spine. I felt the man in front of me shuffle and mutter extremely awkwardly as I moved my hand away from where it had accidentally come to rest on his crotch. <laughs> I mumbled some form of apology, cursing internally about why these things always happen to me. I wanted to immediately get off the tube and wait for the next one, but realised quickly I'd have to wait for at least another 20 minutes for the next service. <laughs> So I stood there, face beetroot purple, spending the next six stops outwardly employing the port protocol, but inwardly wondering if I was about to be arrested for accidental sexual assault. I have since moved to South London, where tube travel can largely be avoided. Please send us your stories. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle? Yes? Let's have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. So... I went to a wedding and nothing bad happened. What? I mean, to be fair, I was only there for three hours. It was the evening do. And it was just like a lovely small wedding because they had to be now, don't they? And the only bad thing about it, the only bad thing was that it was at that city farm where I once did some volunteer work. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. It wasn't a good chapter. No. I'm so sorry. It is, uh, it's raked up some painful memories for you. It was a terrible reminder. So I did this volunteer work until the day I showed up and they were all sneaking off to the cinema. And I've tried to tell myself in the intervening years that they'd forgotten I was coming in that day, which means I've got to erase the memory of one of them looking back and catching my eye and hurrying off again, which I'm working on. Not, not quite there yet. <laughs> I am surprised that it's 2021 and they haven't sorted out memory erasing yet. Like, I feel that's something that should be happening by now. Yes. Why isn't Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yes, Mind yes. a reality at this point? I've got my list ready for when they do, so I don't have to waste <laughs> any time. I can be first in the queue. No wasting time there for me. Anyway, I never went back after that day. I just wrote them an email saying I was looking for a volunteering opportunity that was a bit more structured. I have no idea what I meant by that. And I don't think they did either because they never bothered to reply. <laughs> 
So I was a bit nervous about turning up at the farm again 15 years after this incident. (laughs) And I had paranoid visions of someone that works there brushing past me while I'm eating a canapé and whispering my ear, this wedding's structured enough for you. As it turns out, everything about the wedding and the farm was fine. What wasn't fine was getting there. So our son was invited as well, my three-year-old. So I decided to drive there because I didn't want to take him back home late at night on the tube. And when I say late, I mean 8.30 p.m. (laughs) And I knew that because this was a central London location on Saturday, there wouldn't be anywhere to park. So I did something I'd never done before. Do you know about this app where you can rent car parking spaces? Like people rent out their driveways. No. Yeah, basically people rent out their driveways and you just pay money on the app and then you turn up at the correct time and then you can just park on their driveway. So I went on that, found one round the corner from the farm, and I was slightly apprehensive about the fact that a lot of the reviews mentioned how narrow the driveway was and how it's only suitable for a smaller car. Yes, I read the reviews, (laughs) but the photo of it looked okay. It's not like they're going to use a fisheye lens to take a picture of a car parking space. And I'm also slightly nervous because Tom is not going to be with me because he's going somewhere before the wedding. But I've told him that he has to meet me at the parking space and I've given him the exact time I'm going to arrive so he can help me if I get into any difficulty. So I get there at my allotted time. First thing I notice is that Tom's not there yet. The second thing I notice is that there's a guy leaning on his door frame, appears to be waiting for me to arrive. And the third thing I notice is a slither of driveway. Oh. It's basically a one-car driveway and he's got his car right on the edge and I'm supposed to go next to it. And it might not be a problem for some, but it's a narrow road with cars parked all the way down and there's a big lamppost next to the driveway. And it'd be tricky even if I were a grade C parker. As it is, I'm a grade G parker. I was going to say ungraded Parker, like A-levels, and then I wasn't sure if there was an ungraded Parker. And then I realised I've just made up the whole graded parking thing. But anyway, you get the picture. I'm terrible at parking. You're parking, from the way you've described it, from that one time that I stood and watched you park. Yes. If you were parking like that, on your driving test, you wouldn't pass the test. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's a nice way of putting it. So I've got no chance. So I decide to sit in the road and wait for Tom so he can do it. And in the meantime, the wife comes out of the house and says, is there a problem? As you know, I'm basically just sat by their space, <laughs> but in the middle of the road. It's a, it's a fair question. And I have to say, yes, there is. I'm really bad at parking. So I'm going to have to wait for my partner to get here. At this point, Tom returns the increasingly irate and unanswered calls I've been making to him. And he says, he's sorry, but he's late and he'll be there in 20 minutes. What? Even my three-year-old in the back now is asking what's going on. So I have to tell him that I can't do it. And it's like Tony Robbins has left his own body and entered my son. (laughs) Such is the motivational pep talk that my son now gives me. He says, mum, you can do it. I know you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. No, no, this is too painful. And it's so effective that I start thinking that I can do it. Oh, no, I don't want to let him down. Oh, no. I want to show him that we can do anything we want to if we put our mind to it. No. I don't want to give up in front of him without even trying. No. So I begin the manoeuvre into the sliver of parking space. The husband comes out again and he's starting to look anxious. (laughs) And any faith he might have had in me has long gone during the time that I sat immobile in his road. So he starts to guide me in with his hands, like he's kind of like, you know, gesturing towards me, like showing me that I can, you know, this, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. And that helps because I've got terrible spatial awareness, but he is guiding me in and I'm starting to turn into the space and my son is encouraging me. I'm getting there. I'm doing it. 
And then there's a terrible grinding, uh, scraping noise coming from the right of the car. Tony Robbins leaves my son's body. <laughs> he goes quiet. The husband disappears back into his house. <laughs> it's so bad he just leaves me and closes the door. <gasps> I stop. I get out. I see that I've scraped past the lamppost and it's actually taken part of the car door off. And I really mean part of it. There's a long strip of metal on the floor. Oh, my God. At this point, the man that I hate more in the world right now, more than the man who guided me into a lamppost, turns up. Tom, <laughs> 20 minutes late. Gets in the driver's seat, in two moves, one reverse, one forward, glides into the slither, <laughs> making me not even worthy of ungraded Parker. The next day I get an automatic message from the parking space app. Do I want to leave a review? What do you think I do? Nothing. I'm pathetic. And I'm only ever driving again if I don't have to stop anywhere. I'm just going in circles until I can go home again. <laughs> restaurant The other one is just facing the wall. Okay. In that situation, mm. what I always do is offer the nice seat to my wife and I sit in the one staring at the wall. That's very good of you. Tom doesn't do that. He doesn't like having his back to the restaurant. Oh, right. Well, this, this, is, this is actually why I bring it up. Sarah insisted mm. that because it was this Father's Day meal and mm. it was her treat that I sat in the nice seat. Okay, nice. Couldn't relax all evening. Why? Why? Because I think in that situation, people just look and think, oh, God, look at that arsehole. Like, he's, he's making his wife stare at the wall. Uh, no. Does anyone think that, do you think? So, I would. Because everyone's thinking that about Tom then, aren't they? Yes. But, <laughs> but he's, he doesn't care like we care. No, no, no. That's the whole point. Yeah. That is my first thought. I always want to sit in the nice seat. Of course I do. But I never would sit in it. Partly because I want to do a nice thing for Sarah, mm. but largely because even if it's my birthday or something, I don't want the other people sitting around thinking, well, that guy doesn't mind his wife staring at the wall, so he gets the nice view. Oh. God, I'm loving it that everyone thinks Tom's terrible now. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, I'm pleased to have given you that, that little gift. Um, one other thing. Do you remember last week I got into this whole thing where it's like famous person A and famous person B, and I couldn't really give information in a way that was ultimately satisfying mm -hmm. brace yourself for another one of those oh, although it doesn't involve anyone famous it's just the most efficient way of the, telling the story okay 
Last week, I was emailing somebody about something. In the email, I shared a bit of information about myself that I didn't particularly want spreading around because we have people in common. Right. So I sa- in, in the email, I say something along the lines of... Um, I'll, I'll tell you this. Don't don't mention it to anyone. Uh, but dot dot dot. Here's the information. Okay. Yesterday, I get an email from a third person who alludes to this information. Mm. I am I am a little put out because it could have only come from one person. Mm. This mutual person in common. So I reply in a very friendly way and say, "Oh God, how, how do you know that?" And they confirm my suspicions. It was the person I asked not to say anything. Okay. I then go back to the email in which I originally shared the information and the request for uh, discretion. Yeah. And the way in which I've done it is by using the phrase entre nous. I don't know what that means. Entre nous. Like between us in French. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Well, this is my question. Right, right. So have I basically, by trying to be... Because basically I was uncomfortable about saying yeah. don't tell anyone. Yes, yeah. Because often when you say to someone don't tell anyone, they go, oh, God, I'd never. And they they take it as some kind of insult, the suggestion that yes. they might tell somebody else. Yeah. So I will try and make it cutesy, right. which is what I'd done in this email by writing entre nous, yeah, yeah. which I think of as uh, a little phrase that people use. No, but just it. by the fact that you... <laughs> No, you don't. Like it, no. Not like entree nous. I would. I would look it up though. Well, that, well, there's the question. Mm-hmm. Have I got any right to be annoyed at person number one for sharing with person number two? Oh, that's hard. Because I did write between yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. I just wrote it in a cutesy French way. And and really, they should have looked it up. But maybe they just skimmed it. Thought, oh, skimmed over and just yeah. No, I think you don't have a right. Sorry. No, I think no, you're right. I no. think you're right. Okay. At least that voice you haven't had any confrontation about it. So true. That's a good thing, true. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks for clearing that up. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've cleared stuff up for me. Why don't we uh, try clearing stuff up for drifters in this week's Quandary Corner here at the Glap Clinic in Problematic? Okay, first one is from Laura, who has a nearly four-month-old baby. And she says, several people have looked into my pram when out and about and admired the baby, which is very lovely of them. When this happens somewhere like waiting at a pedestrian crossing or in a checkout queue, where there's a natural point to move on, I can handle the small talk and it helps that it's not me who's the centre of attention. However, if I'm the only one moving and the other person is stationary, for example, there's often people queuing or waiting for other people outside local shops at the moment, I found myself unsure how to exit the encounter. Mm. Once I've stopped to say thank you, if they don't look away, it feels awkward to just pace away. Yet it doesn't feel a significant enough conversation to say bye. Yes. The same way it'd be weird to say bye after someone who has stepped aside to let you through a doorway or something. I Ideally, the other person repeats a compliment after they've had a better look and I can thank them again and depart. But if they don't wrap things up until she's waving or talking and I can say to her, say bye to the lady, mm-hmm. how do I do it, please? I think you'll be able to do this. Come on. I know you can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. I'm just thinking, um, as 
has been discussed by anybody who's ever had a kid that the, your, your brain very carefully blocks out the earlier parts of being a parent so that you can cope with the present mm, mm. and the prospect of the future yes so i'm trying to remember Just especially to that to it, yeah. so i'm pushing the pram mm. oh i've got it yeah so what i used to do because he couldn't stand keeping he wouldn't stay still in i couldn't keep the the pram had to be moving at all times or he started crying mm. so i would just i'd be jigging the pram going oh gotta keep me i'd say something like along yeah. the lines i've got to keep yeah. it moving is gonna start crying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. something yeah. like that yeah so i'm just thinking but it does sound like she was walking and yeah. then became stationary yeah, yeah. so what you've got to do is keep rocking the always through the compliment you're rocking the pram yeah 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 and then you have to say something like yeah it's that so they pay the compliment. Yeah. They say, what an angel or what a beautiful face or something. You say, and then you say, anyway, this could all change at any, yes, yeah. any minute. Gotta I better keep, keep going. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Have we finally like actually solved one? I hope so. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Let's go on to Molly. The situation took place a few months ago in the winter when I was in the habit of visiting a Russian bathhouse. I used to go about once a week to get out. I love this already. (laughs) Nice, isn't it? I used to go out about once a week to get out of the Russian snows and warm myself in the saunas. When you go, oh, hang on. So, okay, okay. I was thinking of somebody finding a Russian bathhouse not in Russia. No, it's Russia. I mean, this is it makes it more exciting. But I I was sitting here thinking maybe I should start going to a Russian bathhouse. Well, I'm sure I could find you on the internet. Maybe not. When you go into the sauna, you need to wear plastic sandals on your feet, which you then take off near the door. Mm. I brought my own, some bright purple slip-ons with butterflies on them. You could also rent sandals there for a dollar, and these were all dirty, always pink, and with flowers on them when i left the sauna i noticed my sandals were gone i searched all of the rooms and found a woman wearing them i showed her that i was clearly in her rented sandals which were two sizes too small for me we had a nice laugh and i got my nice clean purple sandals back a few weeks later i was again leaving the sauna and i again see that my sandals are gone now i'm not the only one to bring their own sandals most people prefer to bring their own for hygiene reasons so i didn't understand why everyone was not paying attention to their footwear I again went on search to find my sandals and, incredibly awkwardly, I found the same woman again wearing my purple sandals. I walked up to her and asked for my sandals back, again showing her that I was forced to wear her two small rented ones. She laughed and said, oh no, I couldn't make that mistake twice, these are mine. I replied that they are mine, I can tell by the colour, size and butterfly. She said, oh no, 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 laughed and walked away. I followed the port protocol in this instance and just let her walk away. It's been several months now. I haven't gone back to this bathhouse and I'm still out a pair of sandals. Was this the right move? I can't imagine going back and seeing her in my sandals. They are clearly too big for her and I feel sorry for them. They were bought for my feet and now they're with a stranger. What should I have done in this situation? I think I just think you did the only thing that could be done. I mean, you're not going to wrestle them off her? No. How is that even possible? I blame you in some ways for having sandals with flowers on them. No, hers had butterflies on them. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, it's very troublesome. What can you do? You can't do anything. You're dealing with a psychopath. Yeah, you you are. You are. (laughs) 
you know, there's, there's literally nothing you can do in this situation. Like the only thing in a situation you can do is get into it. And we are not the kind of people who get into it. Like get some like swabs done to prove that they're yours. I don't know. Yeah, or start, you know, to start making a fuss. You just have to let them go. And ne- oh, next time, this is what you do. You let it go. You pay the price, get some new sandals and write your name on them. Yeah, you've got to write your name on you them. You have to do something very identifying on them. Name, some kind of mark. It is. Um, it's quite infantilising, though, writing your name on your shoes, isn't it? Extremely, yeah. Extremely. So where would you... I think on sandals, though, you could maybe do it under the strap. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Because nobody would see that, but it would be there. Yeah. But then you'd still be in a position where you're asking this woman to take the shoes take off, off the shoes off. They're yours. Mm. I mean, I think write it. Oh, no, you can't write it. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the only solution. Maybe just not. Maybe not your name. Just a way of identifying that they're yours. You here's what you need: a photo of your own feet in those sandals, <laughs> with the identifying mark as well. <laughs> doesn't need it. it. Doesn't need it. So, I think if you. Every time, here's what you do. Mm. Every time you're entering the sauna, mm. you take a picture of your own feet. In shot, you hold a copy of that day's newspaper. Yes, yeah, got it, got it, got it, got it. Brilliant, great. Okay. Okay, wow, two sold. Very We've happy. really yeah. rattled through this podcast today. Oh, really? Unless the podication goes on forever. No, it's a short one. Then... Um, Ooh. Then w- this is going to be a mercifully short episode of a drift. People will be happy. Yeah. yeah. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. It's nice to be brief sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it picks up a bit. I think it's it's a relief, really, uh, for some people. Mm. Somebody I noticed sent in an email saying that they uh, they enjoyed a drift but weren't particularly driftery. I don't know if it's an email that you'll be coming on to at some point, but he said, and yes, Jeff, you were getting quite waffly earlier this year. Oh, right, okay. And I think that is interesting to me that somebody would just tell me that information. Mm. It show it proves to me that they are like... Because they think they were talking about my mother-in-law, Lynn Barron, uh, and about how she just speaks yeah, her mind and yeah, says yeah. things. Like, no, nobody who's a true drifter would tell me that the podcast was getting overly long and rambly no, because no. I was just waffling on with myself. But there is a good story in that email, which we'll be using, so all is forgiven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was just noting yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's odd to me that uh, somebody would listen to the podcast... Mm, mm find it relatable enough to listen to and yet still be so blunt yeah yeah i think it ended with like it doesn't need to go over an hour because that's um well it doesn't that's their commute time i agree i agree it was getting too long but then you know then we get into this whole other thing where people message and and say no no i like it longer but i think they're just being nice Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's a bit shorter what do they say always leave them wanting more right yeah. first rule of show business yeah um okay so uh so so um please send us your stories of social ineptitude or quandaries for quandary corner it is hello at adriftpodcast.com thanks to man and the echo for the backing music to emily harrison for the incidental music kim rainey took our photo no she didn't she never did that no, she designed the artwork stop lying um, and uh, Carla Gowlett took the photos. 
And I will finish this week with a shameless plug, if you are in fact listening to it this week. My uh, my program that I've been working on forever, that I'm very excited to share with you, which is about the year that the Beatles became bigger than the Beatles, which was 1996, airs on BBC Radio 2 this Sunday uh, Sunday evening. See, I'm losing my confidence here. I think it's Sunday. It is Sunday. It is Sunday. Uh, this Sunday evening at nine o'clock. Please do listen to it and then write in a letter to Points of View. (laughs) Podication time. Oh, you're right. It is a short one. It comes from Stuart who says, please could you give a podication to Leslie? She has taken a shell of a man and shown him love and patience and what it feels like to feel rather than just feel numb. With her warmth and caring, she's broken down the door and let him be free to be himself and be happy. I love her so much and I wanted to tell someone. That's great, Stuart. Tell us who the man is as well. Huh? That she's done all this oh, for. Well. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, she sounds good, great. She's fixed you. Amazing. She's Magical. Like, yeah, she's like the living embodiment of that um, song about I Will Fix You. Not the one from Bagpuss, the Coldplay, Coldplay one. one. Yeah, She's like the opposite of me. I kind of like take a nice, warm, happy man and like turn them all cold. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. Uh, uh, she will be so happy to hear this. We'll see about that. <laughs> and it goes some way to repay the happiness that she's given to me. Well, I'm delighted that you found each other. I'm delighted that Leslie has done that for you. Mm. Can't help but feel a bit envious. What? what, what? Some, you know, just basically what you said. I will see. Oh, I'm yeah. contrasting it with my own marriage. Yeah. <laughs> my wife has ground me down. Um. And no, I I feel that before I knew my wife in all seriousness, seriousness, there there were ways in which I wasn't 100% confident. And what she has done is reduced that to about 25% confident. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She's ebbed away at my Mm, self-esteem. Okay. Um, That's lovely. Stuart and Leslie. Yeah. You know, like, um, what's he called? Uh, Benjamin Affleck and uh, Jennifer Lopez. Oh, yeah. They, what do they call them? Benifer? Yeah. What would... Stewsley? Slightly outdated reference, is that not? No, that? they're back together they again. Are Annabelle, not. yes. Are you joking? No. Really? I know this from my wife. Wow. She's very interested in their... Well, look uh, how interested I was, yeah. extremely. Um... I can't do it. Les Art, not great. No. Stewsley. Yeah, there you go. You've done it. Still not great. It's fine. Um, okay. Congratulations, both of you. You found each other. And yes. Leslie, you sound like a wonderful person yeah. uh, for what you've done, reanimating this husk of a man. Yeah. If you'd like a podication, email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.